Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Sean the Baptist Live for this Wednesday, May 12th. We are in the sixth week of Easter, and as you know, the, uh, well, Easter goes until Pentecost, which technically would be eight, eighth uh, Sunday, seventh Sunday after Easter. Uh, so we are in uh, the home stretch here. So uh, as I put in the, the title tonight, Mothers, uh, the Ascension and More, Flying the Coop. We think of uh, a lot of kids the, these days, some graduates, high school students are flying the coop from from home. They've, they've finished their time getting ready to head to college, so we've got some of that. And uh, of course, little tongue-in-cheek there with the Ascension, Jesus is going to fly the coop here. He's, uh, well, of course, he's always with us, but at the Ascension, uh, we, we celebrate Jesus' Ascension into heaven, and he literally flew uh, away, and uh, but did did he leave us? Did he leave us uh, alone? That's an important question that we'll we'll look at tonight. What does it mean that Jesus uh, ascended into heaven, and uh, does that mean that well he abandoned us and left us to our own devices? Those are important questions that uh, we will we will also look at uh, tonight as we we consider. Uh, Mothers, the Ascension, uh, and more. Uh, what uh, what role uh, does does Jesus play here in our ongoing life now that He is ascended into heaven? And uh, last week, if you remember, we we talked a bit about fathers. So I uh, talked about the fatherhood, particularly of Saint Joseph, uh, because last week it was May Day, May first, the feast day of Saint Joseph the Worker. Uh, so we we talked a little bit about fathers, and particularly uh, my patron saint, St. Philip the Apostle, and his famous phrase, show us the Father. And so uh, we talked about fathers, but then, of course, this last Sunday was Mother's Day. And so we don't want to forget our, our mothers. And so we'll talk a little bit about May, the month of Mary, the mother of mothers. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll continue that. So welcome to all those joining tonight. I see, uh, uh, let's see, Mark Gilstrap is on. So if you haven't followed me, uh, I'll put a little link out there. Hopefully you can just, uh, if you hover over Sean the Baptist there, uh, my name, Sean the Baptist, you should be able to see a link that says follow. And if you haven't clicked on follow, if it says follow, uh, then please do. Uh, because if you if you follow me, then... Uh, well, Facebook thinks that I'm important enough to not delete my page or something like that. Uh, but you also get uh, notices if I uh, go live. And pretty soon, um, talk a little bit about this, but I think I've mentioned June, I'll be away uh, Boy Scouting at uh, Philmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico. And so I, I don't know, I haven't decided for sure, but I don't think I'm going to do the scheduled live show every Wednesday. Uh, but I will certainly be doing some videos from Philmont. And so that those might come up live. Uh, just uh, whenever I feel like it, or I'll post them after I've recorded them. So you're going to want to follow uh, the page uh, so that you can get those updates. Good to have Joyce Gresco on, uh, one of our weekly followers. Good to have Joyce uh, with us here tonight. So again, please follow the page so you can get the the updates. Um, I, will, I will keep them coming, even while I am... Uh, down at Philmont and and things like that, but that's a couple weeks away. So um, happy to have you joining here. Uh, if you follow the page, also like right now, I am uh, kind of simulcasting all this at uh, the St. Patrick Catholic Church of Kansas City, Kansas page, as well as the uh, Sean the Baptist page. So you can catch that uh, either location right now. But uh, who knows? Maybe eventually it'll just be on Sean the Baptist. So. Thanks to all those who are, are joining tonight. Again, uh, give a little shout out in the, the comments there. Let me know you're here. And uh, I'll be happy to acknowledge you on the show as well. All right, so what has been going on this week? Well, I mentioned uh, a lot of stuff, obviously. And so one of those is is Mother's Day. So right after I, I did the show last week on uh, fathers, we then celebrated Mother's Day this this past Sunday, and uh, I I got to go home and, and be with my mother Peggy, uh, who, uh, well, I wouldn't be here without her, literally, and uh, 
it's interesting. We went home and uh, we we did something that uh, always used to do with my grandmother, my my mother's mom. Uh, we would we would go over on on Mother's Day and uh, we would always get Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. So nobody had to cook, um, and we would we would have that for our our Mother's Day lunch. And uh, so uh, that's what I did. I I picked up some some chicken on my my way home to my mom's and uh, was able to do that and kind of relive uh, well a bit of a, a tradition. I suppose you'd say, and in our family, so good to spend uh, Mother's Day with with my mom, and uh, then we went for a little hike. And uh, this is a an interesting story because uh, so I, you know, I'm a scout and I I enjoy all that. And uh, in fact, hey, you know, here's a little here's a little show and tell tonight. I got some uh, some stuff in the mail. Here's a little scouting stuff. So uh, one of the things that you gotta I thought about this the other day. I was out backpacking, um, not backpacking. I, I had my backpack, but I was I was just day hiking. And um, I was enjoying it so much, I kept going and uh, ran out of water. I didn't, I, well, I, I did not run out of water. I uh, I had to turn back because I was going to run out of water. And as a, a good scout is always prepared, uh, I, I knew when I needed to stop. And so I had to go back. But I'm hiking right by a river. So if I had had water filtration with me, uh, I, I could have just purified some some water and been fine. I did not have my water filtration with me. It was back at the parish. And um, my uh, water filtration, uh, one that requires like a, a ceramic filter in it, and it costs almost as much as the whole thing to replace the filter, or at least for the price of something new I got. This is my, my newest little toy. Uh, well, toy, I don't know. It's important. It'll save your life in the backcountry. This is the Sawyer Squeeze. It's, it's nice. You um, connect a little uh, bag to it. Who knows? You, you never know what you're going to get on the show on the Baptist tonight. So here's a little camping show and tell. So you you fill this little nice, instead of carrying a bunch of crap around that weighs a lot, backpacking people, we like it light. So you fill this bag with water, screw it on to the little Sawyer squeeze, and you can, you can literally drink right out of it. This thing filters it uh, right as it goes through. So that's the latest, greatest in uh, water purification, cheaper than the replacement filter would have been. So um, anyway, there I was packing, and I, if I had had this with me, I probably could have kept going a lot longer on my hike because uh, I just I, I was limited by, by water. So we've got a fuel shortage right now. Uh, I ran out of water, which if you're a hiker, uh, water is your number one kind of thing that you need uh, for, for fuel. So I got that. Um, so, so that's kind of nice. Other thing I got socks now this used to be a thing like you don't even think about getting uh, uh darn tough socks uh so i i you know when i first started backpacking and hiking uh the the deal was you wear two socks like uh, a real thin nylon polypropylene something liner sock and then some kind of an insulating or, or cushion like wool sock after that so that there would be the friction between the socks and not your foot but when i did my last trek at philmont i i went just with uh smart wool socks so they're they're wool but they're modern technology wool uh so i did that and um i was you know i was hiking these last couple weeks and i I was starting to just get some hot spots that was developed into a blister and so i want to i want to try out these this other brand this darn tough which is also uh wool uh but i've heard heard some good things about so there's your little backpacking gear review uh for the week you just never know what you're going to get here but anyway, so I went hiking with my mom on Mother's Day. That's what got me off on this tangent. And uh, so where to go hiking? Uh, so I, I Googled around uh, a little bit. Um, best places to backpack in Kansas. Because I, you know, I've lost all this weight, which I'm going to talk about. I'm down about 120 pounds from two years ago. And uh, so I'm dusting off my pack. I'm like, I get, get my tent ready. I want to go backpacking. Where do I go in Kansas? Um, so I Googled it, not much, which is, well, quite frankly, what I expected. I mean, where are you going to go backpacking in Kansas? I, I kind of knew that, but, and here's where it ties into my mother's day hike. I also saw one of the, uh, the links there was top waterfalls in Kansas. Now I know I, I was thinking like, oh, well, there's a real find because I, 
I didn't even really know that we we had waterfalls in in Kansas. So this will this will be really nice. And so I it pulls up a map, and I can kind of see some down in the southeast and the northwest, and and then there's there's one dot that's kind of in the Kansas City area. I'm like, oh, well, that might be nice. A waterfall I didn't know about. And I start zooming in. And I'm zooming in and I'm starting to get a feel for where this dot might be. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 it couldn't be and like, oh, this. No. Yep. Angel Falls in Lansing, Kansas. It's a, right by the church, St. Francis de Sales. I grew up there. Uh, used to be you had to like bush through the woods to, to get there. Now there's a, a nice paved uh, trail and everything. It's beautiful. But this this waterfall. It's a. It's a two-foot drop in a muddy creek that sometimes has water or sometimes doesn't. And it is the number six top waterfall in Kansas, uh, which is why I was, yeah, I'm zooming in. I'm like, oh, no, no. So I, it did not bode well for what the other top five ahead of it might be. Um, literally, uh, when I'm in Colorado, like this number six top waterfall in Kansas would be like a drainage ditch by the side of the road in Colorado. Uh, but when in Kansas, you take what you can get. So my mom and I went hiking to this waterfall on Mother's Day, and that's the that's the big tie-in. Uh, so what did you do with your mother on, on Mother's Day? I enjoyed going for a little walk with my mom. It's a good time to do a little walk and talk. Uh, you know, um, one of those uh, things. My, my mom, she likes to... Uh, there, I, I once read in, uh, you know, The Art of Connection, I think, book, it's, uh, you know, how to have a, how to have a conversation and uh, one of the things it points out is um, there are two different types of, of questions or interactions. One can just be like information. Uh, you think about, oh, the, the weather today, or and so-and-so did this, and then so-and-so did that. And, um, and yeah, sometimes uh, I realize I'm getting older too, because sometimes those conversations are like the, you know, the, the medical report. Well, so-and-so is in the hospital and I had this done. And of course with me, like, well, I had this surgery and it could become very kind of a pro forma, just exchange of information. And uh, the book I read anyway says like, this is not what the soul craves. We, we want more than just exchange of uh, information. And we want to talk about things that really matter. And so uh, I was thinking about that as uh, I realized that not just with my mom, but with other friends, sometimes conversations could become just exchange of information. Uh, so uh, maybe keep that in mind as we, we look to really connect, uh, especially with your mom. And of course, Father's Day will be coming up. How to have real conversation with people you supposedly love. And and not just, uh, it, it's easy to just be together and kind of, you know, waste the time. Uh, what did you do today? I did this. And well, what happened then? And then I did that. And then I talked to so-and-so and, -so and Pretty soon, you've spent a bunch of time together, but you haven't really connected. And so I hope that uh, you had a, a good chance maybe to connect with your mom. Uh, maybe your mom has passed. I also went out to visit the grave of my grandmother, who uh, died this, this last summer. And um, yeah, so how did you celebrate your Mother's Day? Lisa is on. Good to have Lisa on uh, again tonight. So uh, yeah, there's a little bit of Mother's Day. So there, there's a recap there. Um, the whole month of May is the month of Mary, our blessed mother. And uh, so we would be remiss if we didn't mention that. We had a little May crowning today at the parish here at St. Patrick's. All the First Communion kids dressed up again. And that was really nice because we had First Communion last weekend. And uh, we crowned the statue of Mary today. A, a, a traditional thing. Um, put a little crown of, of flowers on the top of the statue of, of Mary. And as a... Uh, so pointed out at, at, at Mass today, uh, you know, we, we don't worship statues of things, and we, we certainly don't even worship uh, Mary, the Blessed Mother. Sometimes people can get confused on that and think, oh, you Catholics, you know, you, you put Mary ahead of Jesus, and you, you worship Mary. Well, of, of course, we, we don't worship Mary. Uh, we, we give her honor as the, the most perfect human being that ever lived. And as I said on the show a couple weeks ago on the Feast of St. Louis de Montfort, she is the perfect mold of the perfect image of Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? Well, try to look like Mary. She's the one. And so May is traditionally a, a, a time in the church where we, we honor her. 
Now, I was thinking about this because the, the bells just rang, and uh, it's interesting, our, uh, our bell system that rings here, um, it has a Catholic mode, okay? But you, you don't actually turn on a Catholic uh, mode. The way you tell the bells that you are a Catholic bell system is that you tell it you want Marian songs in May. And so if you set it to play Mary songs in May, the bell system knows that you're Catholic. Little tidbit here from St. Patrick's. See, this is why you watch this show. You get the inside uh, information. So May is the month of Mary, and we honor her as the, the mother of Jesus, the mother of God. And uh, we've talked a lot about Mary in recent times, so we'll just keep that in mind that throughout the month of May, uh, we do honor Mary, our Blessed Mother. All right, so there. I didn't want to do all fatherhood last week and then skip right over Mother's Day, and my mom would probably get mad at me, and so would all the other moms on here. So there's my shout-out to Mother's and Mother's Day, especially our Blessed Mother, Mary. Now, what about the Ascension? We, uh, we continue here in the, the season of Easter, so I've, I've certainly mentioned that before, that the, the season of Easter, so remember I did all those talks on the Sacred Triduum, uh, the end of Lent, the Sacred Three Days, the Sacred Triduum, and then, of course, on Easter, the season of Easter begins, which lasts 50 days. Well, we are on day 39 of the 50. And, uh, of course, we read in the scriptures that after Jesus was risen from the dead, uh, he appeared to his disciples, his apostles, for a period of 40 days. So not uh, not round about 40 days or approximately. Scriptures just say 40 days. And if you do the math, uh, from Easter until now, uh, this was the, uh, you know, the uh, sixth Sunday of Easter. So that's the, the, the uh, it's actually five weeks of Easter. So that's 35 days. You add five days more to that, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So Thursday of the sixth week of Easter is 40 days after Easter. So much as with the celebrations of the sacred triduum and things, we try to keep things historically conditioned to the, the time that they happened. So like the evening mass of the Lord's Supper in the evening and Good Friday at three in the afternoon and Jesus rising from the dead during the nighttime of the solemn vigil of Easter. Well, 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, big event, he ascended into heaven. Uh, and so 40 days after Easter is Thursday uh, of the sixth week of Easter, which is tomorrow, uh, a day that, at least in history, has been known as Ascension Thursday. And at least for me, when this when I was growing up, this was a big deal, because it's it's one of those days that you you have the obligation to attend Mass and abstain from all servile work. Uh, it's just like a Sunday. It's a, a big, big day. Uh, and so we always had to—it was one of those weekday things where there was a— you know, a holy day of obligation on the, the weekday. And so you had to go to Mass, Ascension Thursday. It was, you know, just something you knew as a Catholic growing up that there were a couple feast days on the calendar where you had to go to Mass, not just on Sunday, but on a weekday. You know, Assumption Thursday being uh, another one of those that uh, was a tradition here. Um, but uh, interesting thing, you know, in, in modern times, I... Oh, I guess I, I'm losing my liturgical sense. I guess it was a couple decades ago, actually. Um, the, the bishops of each bishop's conference, so uh, actually it, not just the, the conference. was. It's a little confusing, but the bishops of the United States were, were given the option uh, that if any of the diocese wanted to, they could take Ascension Thursday— and delay the celebration of Ascension Thursday and transfer it to the following Sunday. So the seventh Sunday of Easter uh, could be the celebration of the Ascension. And uh, that then just about every place in the United States decided to do, with uh, a few exceptions. So the provinces of uh, Nebraska, and I think a, a lot of those places in New York, New Jersey, uh, up there in the New England, 
they've kept it on Ascension Thursday. But just about every place else, they went and they moved it to Sunday. Um, now, let's just say that uh, I'm not a big fan of this, oh, we can't do it on the right day because people won't come. All right, we're having a big debate now about, you know, reinstituting the obligation to attend mass post-COVID and things like that. Um, quite frankly, the, the people that are lukewarm Catholics and don't really care about the state of their soul uh, regularly blow off going to mass on Sunday, even. So the same people who probably don't care much about going to mass on Sunday are probably not going to care much about going to mass on Ascension Thursday or the Assumption or whatever other holy days we got. So. I think we should keep the holy days on the holy days and just let the chips fall where they may. And, uh, you know, there's, there, there's two reasons for this. Okay. One is it's historically what happened. Jesus appeared for 40 days and he ascended to heaven. So we, you know, be mad at Jesus. Jesus couldn't you have hung around for three more days. It would have been made it nice. It would have made it a, a you know, a nice full six weeks. Why do you have to, you know, cut it short three days? Um, 40 is actually kind of an important number in scriptures, just as there was wandering in the wilderness lost for 40 years. Well, now there's 40 days of not being lost. There's 40 days of having the risen Lord with you. That's a pretty big deal. Um, so let's celebrate it on the, the day that it happened. Uh, that'd be like, you know, let's let's transfer Good Friday to a more convenient time. Let's let's put Good Friday on Saturday afternoon because more people are off work on Saturday afternoon. You know? And we don't do that because Jesus died on Good Friday and he ascended to heaven on Ascension Thursday. So we should keep it that way, frankly. And for all the lukewarm wussy Catholics who wouldn't come, who cares? All right, they're not going to come anyway. Um, so that that's reason number one. Reason number two is that the, the Solemnity of the Ascension on Ascension Thursday begins the novena of all novenas. A, a novena... You can hear N-O-V in there. It, it's, Nova is a Latin word for nine, uh, known, nine, ninth. A novena is nine days of prayer for something. Why nine days? Because Jesus ascended into heaven on Ascension Thursday, and for nine days, the apostles gathered around the Blessed Virgin Mary and prayed for the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's the first novena, nine days of prayerful imploring God for something. In this case, the gift of the, the Holy Spirit. That began on Ascension Thursday, nine days of prayer, and then Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. So those nine days from Ascension Thursday to Pentecost are the origin of every single novena. And if there's something that Catholics know, it's novenas. Okay, nine days of prayer. Things you want, you know, you, you want uh, Mary to answer some prayer. Do a novena. You know, you want your hopeless cause to be dealt with. Novena to Saint Jude. You know, you want to do well on your test. Novena to Saint Joseph Cupertino. Whatever. Nine days of prayer is is pretty ubiquitous for an extended period of prayer, and it it all started with the nine days from Ascension to Pentecost. So there are are prayers that go along with that, that and now they, we're just going to throw all that out the, the window and say, let's, what, a seven-day novena? Linguistically, that, that doesn't even work. You can't have a seven-day novena. Novena means nine. Uh, so there's a, there's a second good reason to keep Ascension Thursday on Ascension Thursday. Uh, and you can come up with other ones. Uh, but uh, you know, so this does actually happen because so here in well, here in the the archdiocese of of Kansas City, and in fact the entire province of Kansas, so all all four dioceses in in Kansas, we've moved the ascension to the seventh Sunday of Easter. But in Nebraska, which for those geographically challenged, borders the archdiocese of Kansas, uh, the diocese in Kansas. They keep it on Ascension Thursday. So, if you are up in the northern part of the diocese on the border with Nebraska, I always have to joke, well, 
if you're in Nebraska, you, you know, or if you're on the state line, you can you can run up to northern Kansas and watch Jesus ascend on Thursday, uh, and then and come back and see the whole show again on Sunday down in Kansas because he ain't gone from here yet. He's ascended to heaven in Nebraska, but not in Kansas. It's it's just stupid. Put the holy day on the holy day and and keep it that way. All right, enough on the liturgical part um, uh, of that. Uh, although one little liturgical uh, thing that um, that happens. So in the the ordinary form, so the revised in- English or vernacular mass, as we often experience it on uh, typical parishes, um, the uh, the mass for the ascension is. Uh, you know, it's got its own proper text. And, and one of the most famous lines in there is that uh, where Christ the head has gone, we pray that we, the, the members, may follow. So if you think of, of, we often talk about the body of Christ and how, how Jesus and the church, it, it's one body, head and members. Uh, if Jesus, the head, has gone to heaven— it doesn't make sense for a head to be someplace the rest of the body isn't. So the fact that Jesus has ascended to heaven um, implies that the, the rest of the body should follow, and that, that's us. So we'll, we'll talk more about this as we continue tonight. What, what is the spirituality of the, the ascension? Why, why does it matter? Uh, I always used to think that wouldn't the, wouldn't the apostles be sad <laughs> on the ascension because Jesus is gone? Um, so there are... Uh, you know some some key texts like that, but here's a, a thing that is is missing in the the new form of the mass that we have uh, in the extraordinary form, uh, as it's now called, or the traditional Latin mass (TLM). Uh, so the the Paschal candle. If you remember, we we blessed the the big Easter candle or Paschal candle at the the solemn vigil of Easter. So first thing that happens at the vigil of Easter is that you know there's that big fire uh, outside the church, and we. We bless the Easter candle, and it's carried into the church and put in its place. And you know, it's uh, it's lit during all the the major masses of Easter. So if you if you go to mass, certainly on Sundays during these these last six weeks, you'll be able to see that. Oh, there's the there's the Easter candle. It's probably by the the ambo where the readings are done, or in the the center of the sanctuary. Uh, but it's been there, and it it kind of you know represents. Uh, that it, it's Easter. Sometimes I, I think of this like, you know, the Olympic flame. It's like we we kindle the Olympic flame. Uh, you know, the, the history, uh, I mean, it's a modern thing, but, you know, uh, they, they go to the place where the flame is kept in Athens, Greece, you know, the site of the first modern Olympics, I guess you'd say. Or, and uh, so they light a, a torch from there, and then, you know, the, the torch, the flame is, is, is run all over the world, and eventually it culminates where the, the torch arrives at the opening ceremonies of the Olympics and they, they light the, the big cauldron uh, of, that, that will then, the Olympic flame will burn all during the Olympics, you know, until it's uh, extinguished at the end when the closing ceremony is to show that, you know, the, the Olympics is now over. I sometimes think of the Paschal candle a bit like that. We, we, we bless it and kindle the fire at the beginning of Easter. Um, and then... At the end of Easter, it it gets put away. Now it it still gets used for baptisms and funerals, uh, but in the extraordinary form, <laughs> there's a, a special. It, it's not even just a, a pious custom. It, it's actually in the instructions for Mass that uh, at the traditional Latin Mass on the solemnity of the Ascension, you read in the Gospel that Jesus ascended into heaven. Okay. And at the conclusion of that, after reading, and on the 40th day, Jesus ascended to heaven, right there in the middle of Mass, you snuff out the Paschal candle to mark that Jesus has left this earth and ascended back to heaven. So it's like the Paschal candle burns the 40 days of Easter while he's on earth, and then as he ascends to heaven, it's put out. In fact, in the... uh, Gosh, it's, it's uh, I want to say the, the Duomo uh, in Florence of St. Mark. Uh, the, the, in one of those major Italian churches, the Paschal candle, it's actually linked to the ceiling. And so uh, 
while the the gospel of the ascension is being read, that the Paschal candle is actually hoisted up to the ceiling, and it, it stays there, I guess, for the rest of the year. Uh, to, so that's not in the uh, the rubrics, the instructions for Mass, that the Paschal candle should ascend to the ceiling. But it's, it's a nice touch. You know, we we like these kind of liturgical things. So not saying that's done everywhere, but there's at least one major uh, church in, in Italy that, that, I think it's Italy, that, that does that. Uh, but at least in the extraordinary form, then the Paschal candle is snuffed out eh, after the, the gospel talking about Jesus ascending to heaven. In the ordinary form, uh, so the the mass that probably most of us experience on the weekends, uh, the Paschal candle continues to to burn in its normal place until Pentecost, uh, because Pentecost is technically the the end of the the Easter season. So it's kind of like, well, let's keep the candle burning because it's still Easter. I kind of like the idea of putting it out on the Ascension better. I really kind of like the idea of it flying off to the roof of the church. Okay, I could go for that. At any rate, uh, it is still the season of Easter, even after Ascension. But just so you know, tomorrow uh, is is Ascension Thursday. You know, it's still Ascension Thursday, even if it gets transferred. Um, so if you were to go to the traditional Latin Mass tomorrow, you uh, you would experience the Ascension because the traditional Latin Mass follows the calendar as it existed in 1962. And there was no move the Ascension to the nearest Sunday thing back then. You, you just had Ascension Thursday on Thursday. So uh, even in the Archdiocese of Kansas City, where uh, the Ascension is transferred to Sunday, if you go to like St. Rosephil Petitian Parish in Kansas City, where they have uh, strictly the, the extraordinary form, or Maple Hill, uh, west of Topeka, where they have the extraordinary form exclusively. Those parishes that are particularly uh, devoted to um, the extraordinary form, it's Ascension Thursday tomorrow, and you'll have the Mass for the Ascension. And when I celebrate the Latin Mass, in fact, I may do this myself tomorrow, uh, celebrate the uh, traditional Latin Mass so I can celebrate Ascension on Thursday and not have to travel to Nebraska to do it. Uh, so uh, I, I like to do that wherever I'm at. For people who want to celebrate Ascension Thursday, I'll just do the Latin Mass, and then I can do it, uh, and we'll make it Ascension tomorrow. So that's a little bit about the the difference in uh, calendars. Uh, so uh, you can leave that to your edification, uh, if you would uh, uh, so like. That's a little where there's, where the tradition's at and what that's about now. So it is possible that you could get two ascensions or no ascension. And I've had that happen. I've had people who uh, are from uh, Nebraska and who were visiting Kansas City on Ascension Thursday and then went home back to Nebraska on the weekend. And so they never got the ascension because Jesus didn't ascend on Thursday in Kansas and he didn't ascend on Sunday in Nebraska. So uh, there's a chance you could get it twice or none at all. All right, so enough about the... Uh, liturgical niceties of Ascension. Let's talk a little bit about, um, well, the spirituality, about what this is about. Because, you know, I, for a long time, would think that, all right, Jesus is done appearing to the apostles. He's He's been with them for 40 days after his resurrection from the dead, and and now he's he's going back to heaven. We can kind of unpack that a little bit, but it seems like he's leaving. He's flying the coop, uh, as I I said. And, uh, you know, is it just that Jesus is ready to get out of here? Like he's had enough? Uh, why does he leave? Why does Jesus have to leave? And this is a little tie-in with uh, mothers, I suppose, too. So bringing it all together. See, you didn't know I was going to do that. But mothers and the ascension, too. Um, you know, what is every good mom want for their kids? Well, let's them to, to grow up and be healthy and happy and then go off and live their own life. You know, it's kind of the, the joke today about, you know, kids still living with their parents, uh, you know, living in your parents' basement when you're 30. Uh, it, it's hard, you know, much as parents love their kids and like, oh, sure, you know, there's always a place for you here. It's hard for parents not to feel a little bit like a failure <laughs> if their kid's still living at home when they're 30. Um, that's not the goal of parenthood. 
you know, we think of even in the, the animal kingdom, like, you know, uh, sometimes birds like eagles will, you know, kind of fly over top the, the nest to incite their little, you know, baby eaglets to go fly off. Some birds will actually pick them up out of the nest and just drop them and, and hope that they learn how to fly. Uh, the goal of being a mom, being a parent is to raise your kids so they can go do it on their own and they don't need their parents anymore. Now, in most of the animal kingdom, this happens pretty darn quick. You know, you, you think of, uh, like a, I look at a deer being born or even a horse or, you know, there was that, uh, waiting for a giraffe to be born like a year or two ago now. And everyone's like, you know, the, the giraffe or the deer or whatever pops out and, you know, we're watching it live. Okay, it's born. And when's it going to take its first step? You know, it's like five minutes later. Um, maybe humans are not like that. You know, it might be like a year before they take their first step. And it might be 18 years before they're sufficiently raised to leave their parents. Whereas out in the wild, in the animal kingdom, like you're born, you better be able to get up and walk pretty darn quick or you're going to get eaten by a lion. Uh, so there, there are reasons for this. Uh, I also kind of like the way God did it, that baby humans deliberately uh, are very weak and vulnerable when they're born. And even four years later, I, I think God knew that, like, this is this is how we grow as human beings, to learn to give of ourselves to take care of children. You know, uh, most animals don't have to be good moms or good dads. I think of fish who, well, the mother fish dumps a bunch of eggs and a father fish dumps a bunch of sperm on the eggs and they both just swim away and they never even see their kids. Um, humans are not like that. We need nurturing and growth before we can go do it on our own. And so it causes parents, I think, to have to grow uh, in that, you know, lack of selfishness because what keeps us out of heaven? Selfishness. What's the best way to grow out of selfishness? Take care of a little one-month-old who can't feed or change diapers or anything like that. Um, so, end goal, though. End goal is that the children can fly the coop, go away. It's emotional when kids leave, you know, and go to college or, you know, get their job, move out of the house. It's tough on parents because you also get attached over those years. You're not like fish. Um, but the goal is that mom and dad will leave. Well, I think that's a little bit what's going on with the ascension, too. Uh, Jesus did not just intend to come and convert the, the whole world to Christianity himself. Because if you think about it, there are lots of ways Jesus could have done that. Uh, he's God. So uh, he, he certainly could have just convinced everybody by, you know, working miracles that are just so irresistible. I mean, he could have, when he was risen from the dead, you know, just gone and hung out with Caiaphas or Pontius Pilate and just impress upon them, I ain't leaving until you believe in me. Could have done it, but God doesn't force himself on, on anybody. He always leaves it open to our free will to respond. And much as how I think he, he wanted parents to be co-operators with him in the raising of new life, uh, so Jesus wants to, he wants everyone to come to faith in him. He wants to bring the whole world to faith in Jesus. You know, we talked about that previously in a homily. Uh, no other name but Jesus. Everyone is meant to be Christian. There will only be Catholics in heaven. Now, hear the whole homily from a couple weeks ago, because is it possible to follow like Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam or something, Judaism, and wind up in heaven? Yes, but everyone will be Catholic in heaven because then everything will be revealed and it, it'll be shown that, you know, Jesus is God and the only one. Um, Jesus could have impressed upon that in this life so it would be irrefutable and no one could doubt it. It's not what he wanted to do. Could have, didn't. What Jesus chose to do instead was propose. He worked enough miracles fulfilled the scripture enough so that people who were open to it and paying attention would believe in him, but not in a way that would, you know, restrict or overpower our, our human capacity for choice. Because, see, we're intellectual beings. So if, if you make 
uh, an argument that is is so irrefutable. Like if Jesus showed up right now and joined me on the the show, that would be pretty hard to miss and refute. You know, Jesus is not going to overwhelm us like that. Rather, he proposes. And in the same way that, that Jesus proposed while he was on earth, he, he wills that we would, just like parents, be co-operators, co-laborers with him in helping spread the faith. Everyone is meant to be involved and get a chance to be an evangelist. In some ways, as just as parents desire that their kids would grow up and be able to do it on their own, and, you know, so Jesus wants us to be able to do it. The things that Jesus did, he wants us to do. And I mean all of it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Jesus went around working miracles. He he cured the sick. Well, that, that's just Jesus, right? Not us? No. What, what happens right away after the resurrection and Pentecost? Peter goes out and starts seeing a crippled person. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Peter does what Jesus did. This is this is the goal of every parent to see their kids do it on their own. You know, you know, from the time they're little, you teach them how to tie their shoes, and eventually one day, they can do it on their own and tie their shoes. Or that happy day when they're potty trained and they don't need mom and dad to change their diapers anymore. They can do it literally on their own. That's the goal. Well, that's the great joy that Jesus takes in seeing us, his disciples. Go out and do it on our own. Yes, go to people who are sick and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Uh, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Peter actually raised people from the dead, just like Jesus did. To some extent, all the saints that we celebrate, all these martyrs that died for the faith, they some of them, they worked miracles they, they died in a way that Jesus died. All the apostles, many of them being nailed to a cross, like Philip, Peter, Andrew. We, we have, you know, examples of the saints looking like Jesus. That's the goal. Like we talked about with Mary, we want to look like Jesus. We should do the things that Jesus did. That's the goal of any good parent. So why does Jesus need to leave at the ascension? Same same reason that parents have to kick their kids out of the house. Because if, if mom and dad are always there doing it all for you, the kids won't go out and do it themselves. Kids got to grow up. And so to some extent, Jesus is saying, all right, I'm out of here so that you all can go do it. Now, he even says that it is better for you that I go. How could it possibly be better that Jesus not be here? I want Jesus to be here. I want him to be right here. I'm supposed to have this intimate relationship with him. It sure seems like it would be easier to do if Jesus were right here. How could it possibly be better <laughs> that Jesus is not here? Well, he says so, so we, we accept that it's true. He also says, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come. So Jesus leaves at the ascension, but as he says, I promise I will not leave you orphans. I will not abandon you. And, and so he does it. He sends us the Holy Spirit, the actual indwelling presence of God, to be with us always. It is really hard, I think, for us to grasp uh, that what the apostles had when Jesus was present on earth, that, you know, think of three years of his public ministry where they walked, talked, slept, ate with him every day. And then even after the resurrection, where they were in the presence of the risen Lord for 40 days, we think well, that's just as intimate and as good as it gets. I mean, to live with Jesus, that's incredible. That, that, what would it have been like to be an apostle and be with Jesus? I mean, I'm talking, I like to go camping. Think of a backpacking trip for three years with Jesus. You spend all your waking moments with him. You watch him. You learn his personality. You get to know him. He gets to know you. It seems, from our human standpoint, that that's got to be the most intimate thing that the apostles ever experienced with Jesus. But Jesus actually says that's not true. In a, a beautiful, mysterious, again, that word mystery, 
means we can't fully describe it. The word mute comes mupsterion. We, we don't have all the words, but in a mysterious, read inexplicable sort of way, the way that the Holy Spirit indwells us and is present is better, more real, more intimate than spending three years backpacking with Jesus. Now, I, I don't know exactly how that works or how that is, but Jesus says that it's true, and we only have to look at the apostles and see like what they did after Pentecost, after Jesus is gone at the Ascension, to see that it's true. They're a bunch of blumbering dunderheads before Pentecost. Even after seeing Jesus risen from the dead, we think that would be the most compelling thing ever. They spent 40 days with Jesus risen from the dead, and still they were afraid and locked in their rooms and not going out, and are we going to be safe and we're afraid? Then the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and we'll obviously talk more about this uh, next week as we prepare for Pentecost, but the Holy Spirit comes, and now they're going out doing the stuff. Peter gets the Holy Spirit, now all of a sudden he goes out and preaches his great sermons goes right back to the people who killed Jesus and said, hey, it's me, Peter. Now he's on fire, literally, with the Holy Spirit. Tongues of fire descended upon him. Now he goes out. Now he sees this crippled person. He's like, hey, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Why wasn't he doing that before? He had everything he needed. He spent three years with Jesus, saw him do it, saw Jesus raised from the dead. If Jesus did not go, the apostles would not have taken the next step to go do it themselves. They would have watched Jesus do it. Just like when your kids live at home, I'll watch mom do my laundry. I don't have to cook. I'll watch mom do it. You never really grow up unless you're out and you do it. Uh, they say one of the best ways, you know, after you learn something, go teach it. You got to go out, do it yourself. And so that's where Jesus ascending is actually good news. Because, and hear this, he's not less present after his ascension. Even when he was raised from the dead, but we think especially before the, the resurrection, Jesus was only physically present with his little band of apostles. He would go to a town, preach, and people would say, stay with us. And Jesus would have to say, no, I, I've got to go on. I've got to leave and go preach to the other towns. After the ascension, that's not true. After the ascension, Jesus never has to leave. His, his visible, tangible presence in this world left, went up to heaven, and it says that he, you know, he ascended and was taken from their sight by a cloud. And then afterwards, he was more present than before. That's, that's a mystery, but we know that it's true. Jesus is more present now with us after his ascension than he was before. Because now he's not limited by time and space. Now he, he's with us right now. Right now. I, I, I don't know in, in what way exactly, but we know it's true. Now, one of the things that we, we look to is like, well, did Jesus, did he leave heaven to, to come to earth? And this is, this is like, put on, your, put on your theology thinking hat here. Because we, we've talked before, Jesus is the second person of three in the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons, but one God. So one, one of those three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, one and one only, took on a visible, formal presence in this world, took on flesh, incarnation, we call it. Did he leave heaven to do that? Well, to some extent, no. It, it's impossible for one person of the Godhead to resign or leave the Godhead. Jesus Christ remained true God, even as he became incarnate and also became true man. So to some extent, Jesus never left heaven. So he's not, it's, it's not like heaven is, is like some place that's somewhere else and so, you know, Jesus ascended and like, you know, if we could watch from space, Jesus' body would like keep going up and up and up until he got to heaven. No, no, no. 
the reason that the cloud comes and hides him is because his physical presence completely disappears from the world at that point. Heaven isn't some place else. Now, theologically, well, if if our bodies are there and the body of Jesus is there, it has to have some kind of material principle and therefore does it take up space and that's all a pretty deep theological question. But it's not like you could fly there. It's it's not as though we can invent a spaceship and and one day, you know, we'll be able to go to heaven. It's not a physical place like that. Uh it it's almost more like uh like another dimension. You know, is is there a physical reality to it? Yes, but can you can you get there from here? No. Not by physical means. So did Jesus leave the place of heaven? No. Uh, I mean, it talks about descending, but that, that's really uh, somewhat of analogous language to say he, he lowered himself humbly to take on our flesh. So when Jesus ascends, it, it's, uh, it's not like he's going back to some place that he left. Rather, his mode of existence in this world, the physical, tangible presence in a body, that ends at the ascension. And he is now uh, only present in this world through his, his spirit. And that's where the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit is so powerful. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, is the spirit of the Father. And that's where, at least in the... Uh, in the Western church, we say that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. In the East, they would say, you know, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father through the Son uh, in, in the world. We, this is a, if you've heard of the filioque, uh, and the Son, filioque in Latin, uh, is in the Nicene Creed. We say that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, filioque, and the Son. Uh, so the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. You want to know how Jesus is present in the world right now? In the Holy Spirit. And of course, in, in the Eucharist, his sacramental presence. Um, so is Jesus gone because of the ascension? No. His, his physical bodily presence on this earth leaves and ends on Ascension Thursday. But his dynamic, powerful activeness in the world continues in the sacraments, uh, in the Holy Spirit, uh, especially in the Eucharist, the presence that is so real. We call it the, the real presence. So, Ascension is not a day to be sad. Rather, yeah, it, it's a great day of great rejoicing. I, I always think of the apostles, you know, looking up to heaven, and I think maybe they're a little sad. Oh, Jesus is gone. But then the angels have to say, hey, why, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up at the sky? This Jesus, whom you saw go, he'll, he'll return. So, there is Ascension, which the Ascension leaves us anxious for the return of, of Jesus. And we can just, you know, end by talking about that tonight to say the ascension points forward to the fulfillment of what we're all looking forward to. All of us want to leave this world in the same way Jesus did and go to heaven. Now, we know that just like Jesus has a body and will forever have a body, so do we. We, we are body-soul composite, so in heaven— uh, our bodies will be raised in, in some mysterious way. Whatever it is that this physical us will, will be in heaven and our souls joined. But we're all meant to go there. That's why we're, we celebrate, well, you know, the assumption. Mary's gone there. The ascension. Jesus has gone there. Where the head has gone, we hope to follow. Uh, it's really, if you think about this, even at the, the creation of Adam and Eve in the garden, who were most intimate with God, okay? It says that they, they, you know, Adam walked and talked with God in the cool of the evening and conversed with him. You know, think about how intimate that would be. But that was not heaven, okay? That was, that was a place on earth, paradise, uh, a physical place where the physical beings, Adam and Eve, lived, Uh Jesus does not go back to Eden. Our goal, ever since we got kicked out of Eden, is not merely to go back to the Garden of Eden. The goal now is something even better, not to return to Eden, but to be in heaven itself. And with the ascension of Jesus, hear this, with the ascension of Jesus for the first time 
in the history of the world, man, humanity, enters heaven. Okay? The Garden of Eden, paradise, was not heaven. It was a part of creation. Heaven is uncreated, existing outside of time. In Jesus' ascension, because Jesus is fully man, a man, a human being, for the first time, enters heaven. And of course, Jesus doesn't enter heaven alone. He, he leads to heaven all the souls that are, have ever died and, and lived. We think of Abraham, Moses, Elijah, the holy prophets, Adam and Eve. Everybody who's been living a good life, judged worthy from the beginning of the world, gets to enter heaven triumphantly with Jesus. And that means if they've gone there, if Jesus has gone there, if Mary has gone there, if all these other saints have gone there, this is a day of great hope, not sadness, because it says we get to go there. If we die in friendship with Jesus, then we will ascend. You know, not, not visibly, probably. That would, that would be a little scary. You know, bury Father Sean in the ground, and then, woo, his body starts rising up to heaven. I mean, there, there's no reason why that couldn't happen. Uh, but, but even with Mary, she didn't ascend the way Jesus did. There's something um, that points to divinity, uh, to say that, that a, a mere mortal body would, of its own power, rise to, to heaven. Um, so Mary was uh, assumed, meaning her, her body was taken, disappeared from the earth. Uh, will be something like that. You know, our physical presence in this world will be taken up in, into heaven and joined with our souls again. So ascension is actually a, an exciting day. It says we made it. Man got kicked out of Eden and we couldn't go there, but today we enter heaven, heaven itself, because we now have the saving passion, death, resurrection of Jesus that makes us worthy not just of the Garden of Eden or Paradise, but worthy of heaven itself. And because we are joined to Christ, our head, who suffered and died for us, we, the members of his body, now also get to follow where he is gone. So to some extent, it's a day of rejoicing because it says we've achieved our, our goal. Man can now enter heaven itself. But we know we're not quite there yet. If you're listening to this podcast, you are not yet in heaven. Probably. I don't know. Maybe maybe St. Philip up there in heaven is following me. Maybe John the Baptist. I don't know. Maybe I've got some followers there. But likely most of you that are listening to tonight's show, um, we're not quite there. So ascension is a day also that reminds us Jesus is meant to return. This is why, uh, you know, I've talked about, you know, worshiping towards the east, ad orientum, that all masses used to be celebrated facing east. Um, because Jesus's line, you know, just as you saw me ascend, the, the, not Jesus, the, the angels say, just as you saw Jesus go, he'll come back in the same way. So Jesus ascended to the east of Jerusalem, the, the Church of the Ascension, it's just a mosque now, is on, on the uh, Garden of uh, the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And so there's a lot of graves on the east side of the city of Jerusalem because that's where the Messiah is going to return. So part of celebrating Mass facing east, and we'll do a whole show on this, is we're always looking forward for the coming of Jesus to return just as he left from the East. So the whole church on Ascension, and really every Mass, is facing East, at least liturgically, waiting with expectation for the return of Jesus. And that will be on the last day at the end of time, or the day of our death, we get to go where the head is gone. Jesus ascended to show us that that doorway, that pathway is now open to you and me. So tomorrow, I hope maybe you get to celebrate his Ascension Thursday if you're in one of those places like Nebraska where you get to, or if you're a fan of the traditional Latin Mass, find one tomorrow and you can celebrate the Ascension. But even if it's not until Sunday, go ahead and start the Nunvina to the Holy Spirit tomorrow because it's nine days. And then let's all celebrate that the church enters heaven on Ascension. And I pray that one day we all will as well. Where the head is gone, we the members get to follow. So let's live our lives in a way that that can be true. Until next week, happy Ascension Thursday or Ascension Thursday Sunday or whatever it is now. 
Jesus has gone to heaven and so will we. So God bless you and have a great week.